Oh, nope, can't do that. talking about how to piss people off that listen to your games aka how to play with canon we have the majority of our group tonight aka everyone but troy because he's a butthead so hi everyone except for troy <laughs> great start that's he's great no but guys seriously no. there can only ever be one bliss it can only be one it's like the highlander it can only be one bliss speaking of canon it's like the highlander there you go And speaking of running games with canon, don't have one protagonist if you're running a game for multiple people. Uh, So uh, we'll start with general question. Uh, For those who might not know exactly what we're talking about, what do we talk about when we mean canon? Yes, not canon with two N's that were shooting out the side of a ship. Uh, Canon with one N as in canonical as in established lore in a franchise or uh, external IP um, that you and your friends are familiar with. So, for example, if you wanted to play a game set in Middle-earth, Lord of the Rings, you'd be playing in a world with established canon. There is a story that everyone knows. There is a bunch of lore that is supposed to be held true during that game. So how do you go about running a game that has this canon. I was, I'm already going to go off outline, but I just have a general question. Do any of you guys like or dislike kind of running games in canon? I know we have like this whole topic thing, but... It depends. Do you guys like it or dislike it? So yes and no, like Forgotten Realms, yes, to a degree. Yeah, I was going to say, there are two types of canon. There's canon that has like movies and TVs, and then there's canon like the way the Forgotten Realms is, which has a progressive timeline where events do occur, and it progresses through each version of Dungeons & Dragons. It's a type of canon. Um, there's all the Drift's books set in it. There's Elminster's whole thing, all that ha, stuff. But... Elminster's whole thing. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elminster's whole. Yeah. Um, and then there's canon, you know, like, that's based off of movies, television, a uh, kind of more singular book yeah. series. So I like some more than others. Right, same here. I, I think like when it's a game world that's been built up like Forgotten Realms or something like that, or maybe Garantha for RuneQuest, which I'm just getting into, uh, um, then yes, because there's a cool element as a DM to like kind of delve into that and learn it and take it and make it your own. Uh, but when it's set in, say, a movie universe like Star Wars or, you know, Dune, because there's a Dune game and a Dune movie coming out now, or out now. Um, no, not so much. Kind of depends on, on, the, on the property, right? Oh, so wait, you're saying you prefer things like the games, Forgotten Realms, History, and D&D. I actually, I think there's more room to take it and make it your own. I, I agree. Because you know something, there's less, there's less of a likelihood, because the thing that turns me off of like Star Wars is a good example. Like I, I, ran some Star Wars a long time ago. I have the West End Star Wars like rule book where they reprinted it because I had it years and years ago and I, I traded it away for something and I was always sad that I did, so I bought it back. But um, it was a great game system, but I never liked playing because there was always that kid, and this is 
Star Wars fans in general, but there was always that kid that was like, you know, there's no who Star Destroyer works, or, you know, there's no what a Jedi would do. Like that kid, right? And, and that's the problem when you run canon is that, you know, as, as a GM who's supposed to, you know, have mastery of this world, you might have someone sitting at that, that table that knows more about it than you do. And that can be it's intimidating. the same problem that happens when you write about a gun in right. any story ever. True, right? Like, it's always that guy's like, that's not what a gun does. Like a no. car. They're like, no, this kind of car didn't do this back in right. this date. It wasn't invented until you're like, oh my God, bro. You get my cousin Vinny'd hard. Um, but also, see, that's funny because I feel the complete opposite. I would much rather run a game in an established thing like Star Wars or uh, for things that I've personally run myself, uh, Disney universes or uh, Pokemon tabletop role-playing games. Uh, to me, even though, you know, you have the nerds who are going to know way more than you, and trust me, in all of those that I have run, people at my table knew more than I did. But the thing is, you're the GM. You're writing the story. You get to take bits of that world and say, yeah, but we're not looking at it through the lens that you're familiar with. So here's how it can be interesting and you can explore it in a way that doesn't bother you as a fan. It doesn't infringe upon what you believe or what you've experienced and what you love in your fandom. But it's a cool way to have have a new spin on it. Take a new, you know, take a new approach to an established world. Whereas things like the Forgotten Realms and all that, I hate having to go on Forgotten Realms Wikia when I'm running D&D and be like, Oh, well, what year was the War of the Silver Marches? I don't care, bro. We're playing, <laughs> we're playing fucking fantasy wizards and shit. But here's like, the thing, though. There's a lot more room there to, it's just, you know, the time-honored tradition of, like, throwing out what you don't like. It, it, there's a lot more room mm-hmm. there, in my, this is just my opinion, obviously, to just be like, yeah, well, you know, it never happened in my campaign, dude. And, and just run with it. Whereas you can't say that with, say, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something in Star Wars, but I can't. Like the destruction of Alderaan, right? <laughs> I mean, you can't just be like, oh yeah, no, Alderaan never got blown up in my in my version of the Star Wars universe. People are going to have a problem it's with it. It's not the same universe at all, even. <laughs> it changes too much. Unless you're running it before the destruction of Alderaan. Right. But then it's like, you know, you completely off and, and yield. And that, good sure. point. So here's the second thing. Because <laughs> you mentioned like Lord of the Rings before, like Merp, right? Middle Earth role playing is the one that comes to mind right away, right? But there's been other versions of it too. But like, there's there's never been like a good Lord of the Rings role playing game. And you think it should have been like a slam dunk because it's literally like one of the main inspirations of our entire hobby. And the reason for that is that the best story has already been told in that world. And that's the biggest problem with canon is like, all right, most of those book series that you love of stories, they're built to tell that one particular story. The one ring got chucked into the volcano. Now what? And even if there is other stuff going on, what are you going to play like the B team and go and mop up the orcs, you know, after Frodo and, and, and the, the Fellowship of the Ring did all the cool stuff? Like, that's not fun. Your players want to be the heroes. So here's here's what I'm going to say. Um, and I'm going to, I guess I'll say I'm going to be the asshole. What else is I am totally ambivalent towards it because <laughs> it depends for me on how passionate the group is about it. I was just thinking with Krista was saying about a few things it really de- and rainy too. Like, yes, it really depends on the players at your table. Like if you have players that are on board and they're going to not be dicks and fact checking you about everything, they're going to buy into your premise. Yes. That's great. But um, if not, 
It's going to be terrible. I <laughs> am not yeah. a media person as has probably come across pretty evidently by this point. So there are a lot of franchises I know nothing about or very little. For example, we, as of recording this, are just starting our Avatar RPG. Um, and as was heard throughout the episode, I'm like, oh, I'm on the Avatar wiki and I just found this thing out. But I'm willing to dive in and do that research because the group is so excited about it. If it wasn't a thing, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'll just kind of guess and see what happened. But the excitement of the group is what gets me excited to play in that world, even though it's beyond my comfort zone. So that actually leads me to one of the questions I had when we were figuring out what we were going to talk about in a how to run games in established universes episode, which is as GM or as player, what's the... Goldilocks zone, what's the appropriate amount that you should know before running a game in that world? That also depends. I think think canon universe is like Forgotten Realms. The more you know, um, the better, because then you kind of have a a broader range of things to offer with setting and plot and focus, because you can't encompass all elements of the Forgotten Realms in your campaign. You pick something Mm -hmm. to focus on in your campaign. Um, so the more you know, the the better, the more choice you're able to offer your players and give them kind of a more organic experience with where they go with their own choices. Um, I have like cold run uh, Brandon Sanderson's uh, Mistborn Adventure game. I have never read a Brandon Sanderson book in my entire life. And, <laughs> and I have not... begged you to read the Mistborn trilogy. It is so yeah, good. Yeah, I have I've not read any anything of the Mistborn trilogy, but I, I read that book and I was like, you know what? This sounds fun. And I just, I just ran, I just ran the game. Um, and I think that actually benefited me there. Um, I do have an understanding of what the series is about. And it does seem more like one of those series where like the best story has already been told. It's an epic story about saving the world from a massive destructive evil force. So if that's already been done by a really cool hyper-powered Mary Sue-like character, <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, like what, how much is left for your players is going to be really hard to get outside of that. But I didn't know that story. I don't know anything about these characters. I don't know who they are. Like the coolest characters in the game are going to be my PCs. Nice. They're the only ones I'm invested in. Nice. And and scales that big in books like that, characters tend to amass a shit ton of power and cool abilities. And they're just super cool and super awesome. And they're the main characters. And that's hard to compete with in in your own games or versions. With your PCs starting as a bunch of like chuckle fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. No, I think I think how much it depends on what how long you're going to run the game too. If it's a one shot, you need to know enough to run the one shot, right? Um, if it's going to be a campaign, the more you know, the better. Uh, enough to wing it, you know. Amber said something earlier about the more you know about the Forgotten Realms, the better of a Forgotten Realms DM you're going to be. That's part of the reason I like it because realistically, if you if you you know if you're like a Forgotten Realms fan and and I'm in the Forgotten Realms group where there are guys who are like, tell me about this Hamlet. Yeah, right exactly screw you uh <laughs> you know tell me about this little hamlet in 1772 dr and some guy's like oh you have like three paragraphs about it uh that just makes it a huge sandbox right because and you can do that with a very little preparation on, on the part of the dm because the players can be like oh we want to go to you know pro campor and you're like okay cool and you just run with it because you know what's going on in pro campor you just you know everything right uh but Enough, enough to run it. So like Abraham Lincoln said, how tall should a man be? Tall enough to reach the ground. Um, same thing with this. You need to know enough to run your game. I also think it's very relevant what you're running. So for example, Amber's story about Mistborn, going in running that game. Um, yeah, you can pretty much go in and run that game and know 
instead of being barbarians and fighters and thieves and rogues and whatnot, uh, you are people who can manipulate metals, you know, uh, that's pretty much your classes. And you, you could tell a great story in there without having to step on the toes of the story that's been told. But, um, a couple examples I have from my personal experiences is, um, like, don't run a Pokemon tabletop if you don't know Pokemon, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, and not only that, there's no, for the record, there are no official Pokemon tabletop RPGs. Uh, there's a lot of unofficial ones, and I will give my opinions on those if anybody wants to know. Hit us up. But, um, again, don't go in. Honestly, I started running a game not too long ago for some friends of mine, and I hadn't played, like, Gens 6 or 7 or, I think, 8 now. Um, and one of my friends was like, can I start with this Pokemon? And I went, I have no idea what the hell that is. I'm going to have to go do my research. Um... But also, uh, what 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 Pokemon was it? I'm gonna judge your friend right now. <laughs> oh, jeez, you know I don't even remember. It was a, uh, it was some kind of fish Pokemon, and that made a that whole could different... be anything. Well, but <laughs> so it made many. a whole new issue because like I was setting it in a desert, and he was like, oh, "I want a fish Pokemon." I was like, "What a jerk! Why would you do was this?" Was this Troy? But anyway, it was no. not Troy. Does <laughs> uh, no sound like it's Troy? Right? <laughs> it's fine. But um, and the other ones so. I recently kickstarted a uh, Adventures in Oz 5e thing for my sister-in-law who loves the Wizard of Oz and they made a 5e thing and the funniest thing happened. They put out this like starter adventure quick start rules thing, right? And they wrote this Adventures in Oz based on the books nice. written about Oz and not about the movie The Wizard of Oz. So this story is weird as hell. This one shot was like, there are these kegs of ponies and there's this, and like nothing vaguely, nothing even vaguely resembling the movie, which is what my sister-in-law was super pumped about. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about the actual stories of Oz. Like, I've never read any of those. Um, But then, you know, there's other things like, Obviously, I'm running Avatar, so I did my homework, and I watched Avatar The Last Airbender a bunch of episodes over again. And I've run a and disney campaign for that same sister-in-law and my brother-in-law and uh, my wife's family. And I got to watch Disney movies and call it homework. It was great, you know? Uh, and not to steal the entire story, but simply to go, oh, like what cool locations are in the little mermaid that aren't really a big part of the little mermaid that I can just kind of yoink and be like anything that happens here, nobody's going to get pissed about it. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, that's actually where I ended up uh, merging. You'd think this is weird, but merging star Wars, right? When Disney bought it into the D- Disney campaign was I made a coral sant instead of Coruscant. And I introduced a halfling Triton Yoda esque, character it was so dumb but that's the kind of dumb shit you can do and be like technically it's you know it not, applies it applies <laughs> i was gonna say rainy just along the same things that's one of the great parts i feel like i usually run in canon as well i'm i'm on that boat where i usually run in canon worlds or things that i've watched and that's one of the great parts is just being able to relive it and that's my research right I, i'm doing that and pulling things off of it as a player, though, <laughs> best and worst. Yes, I mean, it's the best and worst. But I was gonna say, as a player, though, I actually really, I, I can't think. I think Avatar might be my first one that I've played in canon. And Amber, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've actually played a game in a canon world that I've known. And I actually really like playing in a world that I don't know, just because 
part of RPGs for me, I think, is kind of that world discovery yeah. piece. And I like not knowing it beforehand, yep. right? I, I like no like having the scene described to me and being mm. like, oh wow, you know, and maybe look it up later. But that's I interesting because you know, as a player playing in a canon world, if you're not super familiar with it, that could be a really fun way to learn if your DM is like really passionate about stuff. Like Avatar for me, like I've watched it casually. I'm watching it now as my research. Uh, but like obviously Rainy and the rest of you guys, except for Sarah, are really uh, passionate about it. So, you know, I'm learning. And that's cool because I'm learning it kind of like through your eyes too. I'd argue as well that even if you are familiar with a canon setting with an established universe and you're going to be playing in a game, if your GM is anything like me, he's specifically not going to hit on the things that you need to know anyway. Or, you know what I mean? Like the things that you'd be very familiar with. You might have some easter egg tangential knowledge that they drop in and sprinkle in here and there but again in my opinion the best thing you can do in established worlds is avoid the established story altogether Mm -hmm. and just like jess said enjoy that exploratory kind of experience as a group and say well if these are the rules that work in this world then presumably this kind of thing could work here you know what i mean um and you can make up basically your own yep. thing and be like, I'm following all the rules, but I don't have to worry about the story that's been told. Um, one one piece of advice that I would give to DMs running in canon worlds, um, don't be afraid if your players don't know the world. It's better for you. <laughs> They're going to be just so clever. <laughs> I'm saying this from both a player's perspective and a GM's perspective. Um, but all in all, uh, if you trust the group you're running for, the story will come out fine in the end. Um, for example, saying. from the GM's perspective, uh, before this group started uh, doing DMs After Dark and recording when we were just a bunch of friends doing shit Friday nights, uh, I ran a good society game for this squad. Uh and it's a RPG uh, based in the world of Jane Austen, and it is amazing, and I could not suggest it enough. And we're going to do it again. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I do know Jane Austen, yeah. Um, and I was pitching it to everyone. People are super on board. And Troy went, who's Jane Austen? <laughs> he literally oh, said that. <laughs> what a good dog. He's not here. That's so good. Uh, he would admit that himself, I'm sure. Uh, I... And not ragging on him because he then went on to create one of the most interesting and complex characters and storylines in the game. He really does. Got into it. He does that. Without knowledge of it, just by understanding the general rules of the world and the mechanics of the game, he was able to fit his character in perfectly without much of a problem at all. So trust your players and it will go well. Probably. Oh, that game went really well. Most likely. Yeah, and on the, on the flip side, if you have um, players who do know the world really, really well and are very familiar with the canon, I see like usually that goes one of two ways, right? Either they love the stories, they know the canon very well, and they want to remake like the heroes that they idolize, basically. They want to be Aragorn. They want to be like Luke Skywalker, you know? Um, they want to be Drist. <laughs> um, or they're obsessed with the world itself and reading and seeing those materials made them think of other what ifs. Like what if so, what if somebody made a very different choice? What if a very different type of person was involved in this shit? Like how would that have gone? Um, so be prepared for either of those two things. Like they're either gonna wanna recreate the experience of that, ind- of that original canon 
or they've already come up with a bunch of spinoffs. They've read the situation stuff. They're like, wow, what if this character was was really fucking was like an asshole? <laughs> like, how would this have gone I different? Feel like, why would this have gone different if the this character weren't so sexist? Like, what if we what if this was what if we got gen- different gender politics involved in this? And they've already gone off on a million tangents, or um, they really liked a side thing that was only mentioned. That like, I wonder what that's about. Like, I wonder what happened if we unpacked that, deconstructed it. Um, and those are players that I think it's easier to do a very unrelated um, campaign that just goes off and explores the world and different themes that were only hinted at um, versus the players who, and there's nothing wrong with either one. Like if you love a character, you, you love a story. Like we, like that's why, that's one of the reasons why romance is so popular. People love a certain plot and they want to keep reading it and consuming it and experiencing it. There's nothing wrong with that either. Those are two very different games though. And if you have a mix of those players, it's kind of hard to balance and be prepared. <laughs> Adding on to the, knowledgeable player in a world that's established game um i would say that there's another couple things that you might be worried about or keep an eye on which is if they're correcting you on things that you're running a game in a world and you're taking these uh creative licenses and kind of bending the rules um or at least inferring that certain things would work uh, you know outside of the established story and they're saying well actually i don't think that's how that would go you can kind of talk to those people you know have an adult conversation say like look uh if it doesn't work let's figure it out you can always rule in favor of them if they make a very good point and say okay well i can tweak a few things but also the whole thing about playing in these worlds i think is what we've talked about you know like amber just said i'm the kind of person who's gonna read or watch or you know ingest something and say Ooh, well, like, what if all of these other things? And that's why I come up with these ideas and go, I can just set it in that universe and we can have fun exploring a place that we're all familiar with, you know, and explore the what ifs. But if somebody's really hard on the, that's not how that would work, you know, don't get in a fight over it. Just kind of come to a mutual agreement and um, move forward. And just don't forget that you guys are all enjoying the same source material anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, um, both as like GM and as players, be prepared for the world to change. Like the world, the adventure, the story, it's all going to be different. You know, taking canon and that existing world, whatever your players' actions are going to be, that's going to change however the world works, right? That That's going to change whatever environment they're in too. Maybe there's like established <laughs> Amber Lass because my very first game was set in a beloved canon world of mine, a beloved canon world of mine, and they changed Tortal. everything. Tamora Pierce, Tortal, <laughs> middle grade fantasy. I hit yeah, that nice. like a fucking rocket. <laughs> it was great. And they changed everything. And, you know, it was really, really difficult for me. It was really, really difficult to see a beloved world of mine and beloved characters of mine change. But it was also really enjoyable, too. It was really enjoyable for me as a GM to think about, oh, my gosh, okay, they're doing this now. How is the world going to change in reaction to this, right? How are, how are my characters actually going to do something different? Because I know what their motivations are. So I know kind of what they'll do next. And it's not along the same lines as however, you know, the world and the canon will go. So just, yeah, I got off track. But be prepared for your world and, you know, the canon to not exactly be like the canon it is in the existing story. But that's a really good point because you have to be, I don't know if I want to say careful, but you have to be cognizant of like the the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is the, those NPCs or those, uh, you know, characters from those stories that um, and I'm thinking right now, because it's something we talked about when we started 
before we started recording, which is Conan and, and Modifius has the Conan game out. And I think that that's later on, we'll talk about games that handle Canon well. And I think that Modifius has done a very good job with that property. Uh, but uh, throughout it, they give you stat box for Conan at like different times of his life. And something we we're talking about was what if your players meet him? What if they, what if they kill him? What if they alter the history and he never becomes King of Aquilonia? Like that changes everything. Right. And that's awesome. Uh, so cool. Maybe, maybe not cool. Depends, but it's, um, you know, you, you probably want to keep them away from those characters actually, you know, depending on. Yeah. But also that's kind of the definition of plot armor. Yeah, but right? you don't want to do that though. That's the thing as a idea. Do you ever really want to do that? I mean, to a title character. You know, that's why people, that's why people hate Elminster so much. Yeah, but to a title character. So actually in response to that point of yours, which is their stat blocks for Conan in the Conan game, which makes yeah. sense. Again, it's a game about mm. Conan. Conan. Um, but I've run, uh, again, I'll bring up my D and Disney campaign. It's hard to write uh, an adventure in the world of brave without being like oh you know merida is here or something you know what i mean mm. and as long as you frame the scenes and frame the goals of the pcs in a way that uh, unless you have a character who's gonna really go out of left field and just be like i have meta knowledge that i'm gonna kill conan and then this thing will never happen and i can get the mask of asheron and you're just like mm. bro chill relax you know what i mean like but yeah. really as long as you frame the scene and approach the world from a perspective of either a you're not going to kick conan's ass <laughs> you know or b conan's strictly here to help you or is you know in the scene but not even relevant to whatever the hell's going on yeah. it's just like he's in the background you don't like, need to get conan's ass he's doing right. his own thing it doesn't yeah. have much impact barbarian <laughs> in the background as you're like wandering through the market that'd be perfect Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. We had an Easter egg. We saw Conan. Exactly. Sprinkle in the details. Yeah. No, that's great. I was just gonna say. Um, we talk. We say this a lot, but just remember, right, that the story is about yep. your players, right? So, mm -hmm. so don't take canon as an opportunity to kind of play out your fantasy world and fantasy story and tell your story without your players' involvement. Don't write like your novel with your friends. Yeah. Exactly. You're you're running this like crazy idea and and thoughts, but like your players aren't, don't have any agency. They're not kind of changing things. They're not um, the main characters of the game, you know? So just remember. Cause that's the that. difficulty with, with those games. The other one though, and I'm thinking about, cause there's, there have been multiple DC or Marvel games uh, in the past. And um, I know some of them have been really, really fun. Uh, the TSR Marvel, you actually got to play as like, you got to pick whoever you wanted. Uh, you know, they had stats for all the different heroes and that was kind of cool. Cause you could pick and choose, you know, you play Spider-Man or one of the X-Men or something. Uh, but if you're not, and you're making your own characters, which is also fun. And they did, uh, but we set this game with mutants and like, actually it was in Idaho, believe it or not, Troy, now that I think about it. Cause we wanted to be, we wanted to be as far away from like anything that actually happened. He's in Iowa, Idaho. <laughs> I was just going to say Idaho. They might as well be Potatoes, corn. Yeah, they all, they're all the friggin' same. Some place in Flyoverville, right? Someplace in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we set it out there because we wanted to be like where Troy lives. <laughs> out away from like anything important happening so we could tell our own stories without like the Avengers showing up. Yeah, it's just that nothing happens out there. The only thing important happening in the Midwest is at your tables, right. listeners. Oh no, we games. do love our, our Midwest listeners. We love our Midwest <laughs> listeners. We will rag on our Midwest co-host. Yes, Very, exactly. Yes, yeah, that's yes. good.
Uh, but it's because we all all rag on each other. Anyway. <laughs> I like that point, though, that Jess said. Don't forget that your char- your players' characters are the main characters of the mm-hmm. story, right? Like, you can sprinkle in the known lore and give them that experience to say, like, oh, like, you oversee this happening. Like, a thing that they can go, oh, that's awesome. But, like, they're too busy doing something else to interfere with what was going to happen. My other point is just set your story either before the events of the story that you know or after the events of the story that you know you can explore the fallout of the things that happened you know what i mean um or you can explore the build-up and i love that actually just to tie it into our avatar game that's kind of how they wrote Mm -hmm. this game they say do you want to play in avatar ang sarah well you're not you're playing after avatar ang defeated fire lord ozai and it's about rebuilding the world do you want to play in the hundred, you know, or you can play in the hundred year war era before Aang wakes up. Like you don't get to interfere with that story. You have to make your own in this world that you know. And that's yeah, the, that's good design. Jess actually did the opposite. <clears throat> when she ran her Tortal game, she played the plot of the books. She ran the plot of the books. We literally replaced the main character with the party. Um, and I think that, and I really enjoyed that game. It was very hard for Jess to run. And I could tell we did not make it easy for her in any way, shape or form. But I had a blast doing it. I'd only read the first two and a half, maybe three books of the Lioness Quartet. And it was a long time ago, so I was fuzzy, but I did know some things. Um, But it was so successful, I think, because the series was middle grade. And the plot and all the characters in it are decidedly middle grade in theme and style. And the party, decidedly not middle grade. So that clash um, and the way that reframed the world um, was really, really interesting. Um, and I had, I had a blast, uh, just, uh, interfering with all these very ideal and idealistic characters in a very ideal and idealistic world with very, um, kind of original fantasy tropes. I wouldn't, I'm not going to say that they were, um, they're not like, they weren't like tired because Tamora Pierce kind of invented some of the genre. So, but like it has since become tired. It's been 30, 40 years since that series. It's been a long time since that series was written. Um, so we brought decidedly modern ideas to it. Like there's a very, um, there's kind of a very, uh, older version of feminism in that book. And it's, feminism has evolved a lot. So like Mm -hmm. it's an old feminist book meets new feminism. And it was very, very interesting to see that happen and work with the characters. I had a blast destroying them. (laughs) It was great. Just it hurt her a little bit, but she rolled with it. She did a good job. (laughs) And I was going to say, I I do that a lot. Actually, I run the main story plot line for a canon world quite often in my games, but that only really works if your players don't really know the world. And that, that's why I've been able to really pull it off is because I try and choose a movie or a book series that I love that no one else has seen. Um, and that actually works with my home group, at least just because my tastes are very different from theirs. And if it is something that somebody knows a little about, it's usually me. And I usually want to deconstruct it naturally and viciously. So mm-hmm. I just got well, it. <laughs> oftentimes we tell stories about our own experiences doing these things. And Jess, I'm glad, you know, you as the self uh defined newbie dm of this group uh you know it's it's not a rpg horror story but it's definitely a hurdle that you you had in your experiences running a world with canon and i also think uh something that amber said that i think is interesting that you can also take and use if you're thinking about doing this yourself is if you are basing it in something where you might have a problem with how things were portrayed in that series or movie or what have you like amber said 
it was a different kind of feminism, not one that maybe her or her character embraced. So she approached this story with a more appropriate or, you know, modern or what have you uh, lean to it. And that can have really interesting Yes, it was. It was in super the fun. <laughs> it was great. It was really great for me to see a, like an old, like Amber was saying, like an old school kind of storyline and um, modernize it and kind of see like how, how things could be different and change. I, I really enjoyed it too. It yeah. allowed you to um, almost address like meta issues, but like Ooh, in game through the vehicle of the plot, like I have conversations yeah. with characters with antiquated ideas and I got to, um, I got to act against antiquated ideas in new and kind of revolutionary ways and it was really fun and uh like rainy was saying like i um i i still do very much consider myself a newbie gm i lack creativity like i i just i'm not a creative person i do not, not make storylines i don't like describe things so that's why i take things i already know right i take a movie that no one's watched and i'm like great this is what i'm gonna run i take a story that i've already read and i'm like great this is what i will run and no one else knows it and it works out fine oh can we play a quick game something we haven't really done on this yet. Everybody try and think of a movie or something that you don't think anyone else here has seen that you think would be super funny to run a game in. And let's all just like share our ideas. And then everyone that's listening will have to look this up and be like, what the hell are these people talking about? A movie or book or something. A something. movie or a book. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some sort some, of canon. Something with ca- some canon that you don't think anyone else here is familiar with. But you think maybe that would be fun to play in. I got one because Jess made me think of it. I'm going to, I got to look up what it's called. Mm. You know, the it's first thing that comes like... to mind, I know two of you have read and it's Tam Samir's Locktube Trilogy. Like I will lose my shit for a game <laughs> set in that world. <laughs> I want it. That's next on my reading list because you guys talk about it so much. It, that Randy. is really cool. But kind of a universe with the best stories being sold. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But the, the it's also a universe that has um enough law and lore and complexity to like the world and the magic system yeah. and the relationships. I, I would pick, I would like yeah, I would say that's a lot like Star Wars in that regard, where like you know the best stories yeah. are told in stars, but the universe is big enough that you can go and tell some really cool stories elsewhere. Space Somewhere space else. opera works really good with that because even if like the biggest, most important thing in the universe is happening, there's still stuff that's like hundreds of light years away where there are a bunch of planets where nobody gives a shit about it, you know, so you can still have other stories. All right, gang, I got it for you. Has anybody here heard or seen the movie Warriors of Virtue? Oh my God, no. No? It is a, it <laughs> this is sounds a ni- 90s. Check it out. It is a 1997 movie about kangaroo samurais. It is... <laughs> Bad live action, just cheesy. Like, literally, they're like kangaroo people who are just samurais. It is. I loved it. Do they have Australian accents? Speaking of uh, 90s. I don't know. I Honestly, I'm going to go find this streaming somewhere. Everybody go do it. I don't Mystic know if it's Nights. good. Guys, I cannot. Does yes. anyone know Mystic Knights? No. It was a TV series. It was on in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. I can't find it anywhere. All right. it was something. <laughs> I, I'm gonna draw mine and this is a, a a book series so obscure that if you google it the only thing that comes up are its Amazon and Goodreads links uh I am not entirely convinced that anyone else has read it and if someone has I will scream and eat something inedible uh <laughs> <laughs> you can help me do that that's on. That's fine. That's recorded. That's fine. I'll that's, do it. That's so good. Uh, so it is the Adventures of Dwayne Sirk series. 
Uh, it is my comfort mm-hmm. childhood series, sort of. Oh, um, my the, so it's a four mm-hmm. book series. Man, uh, we but basically, uh, I read, read, read the second book a million times to the point where the back cover is completely detached from the rest of the book. Uh, it is a fantasy world series. Uh, it's it's middle grade, uh, but I I would tear that thing apart. And it's it, just do me do yourselves a favor. It's cheesy. It's campy. Only bother with the first two books, three and four or whatever. But like, trust me, it's fun. <laughs> Go ahead, Jess. I'll go last. Uh, I mean, mine's not super interesting, but I know that the plot line for the next RPG that I plan on running is going to be along the same stories as Minority Report, that movie. Ooh, okay. Um, no one in my group has really watched it, so that mm-hmm. is the, the one I'm going to do. The storyline is going to be based off of that. Nice. Yeah. So... I have since we everybody was going like all obscure, so I had to go and like the most obscure thing that I can think of, uh, which is a novel called Individutopia. Okay, that's great. Yeah, Individutopia. Individutopia. Josh Josh Sheldon. I had to look him up, uh, and it is a very political uh, cyberpunk sort of book, uh, and I think that it would make a very interesting world building it has a good world and it's not the sort of world where the best story has necessarily been told it's just one person's story is told in that world uh but other people's stories in that world would also be extremely interesting but anyway if you haven't read Individutopia, uh read it uh it's a pretty good book pretty quick book um some of ted kaczynski's writing come up as like also reads when you look it up on amazon so that's to tell you how good it is Oh my gosh. Let's well, see. So there's some ideas for people to go <laughs> go mine if nothing else, mine those stories that we just told or movies or what have you for ideas that you can use. It was probably terrible. Like it was the nineties. I've not seen it since. <laughs> so brace yourself for if you look it up. I'm like, mm. there was like one token black character in it. I'm like, this is probably like yeah, I don't just remember it. About it and you're like, like, oh, that's so cool. And then you, I'm like, this is probably super racist. Oh yeah. I, mean, I do not <laughs> like, and there's like one token girl character too. I'm like, I I don't remember, but I bet this is bad. I do not think uh, Warriors of Virtue is probably a good movie. So do not uh, hop on that. Like, uh, I'm not endorsing it. I just remember liking it as a child who did not know anything. Um, so that yeah. so that's something. As, as most things 90s kids Yeah, do. I was just going to say. So that's one of the things about canon too, right? Like you could run yeah. canon without actually running canon, right? You could take... Uh, a movie a series something that you love maybe change it enough so it's not like recognizable but still also kind of familiar to you and Mm. your players might not know you know never never tell them what world it is that it's based off of and maybe they won't figure it out and you'd have a really cool world yeah oh my god sarah horror store (laughs) yeah 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 that is a great idea yes or take take like a comedy and make it a horror movie or take a horror movie and make it a comedy, yeah. right? That way, too, you get to keep the things you love and just toss out the things you don't. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just using that as an example, but, like, steal something and make it something else, um, right? I will also say another yeah. possibility is, um, and I know we we wanted to talk about um, games that are based on external IPs and all that, and how there's a lot that do that really well. Um, but you could also take a game system you like and are comfortable with and just put it in the canon world of your choosing. Um, I know, Rainy, you talked about D&D with Disney. Um, There are some 
very open systems that you could fit into any world. I'll say, you know, I'll call out kids on bikes, for example, that we just played. That system could easily fit into a lot of different universes. And if you and your friends love that system, you could pretty much throw it in most yeah. places. I will say this. I just started watching the new season of Riverdale and I was like, holy shit, how did I not realize this is legitimately a kids on bikes campaign? This whole Series. Oh my gosh, Randy, I'm rewatching the first season of Riverdale. <laughs> now now watch it and realize Jughead's a loner weirdo. Betty is the uh, Oh my god, yeah. She's the, like the smart girl. You know what I mean? Like you literally have the tropes. And I mean, that's because it's based on Archie comics from the fifties and they are tropes. But yeah. still, still I mean like it's, true. it's dead on. Wait, Rainy, did you watch the third season of Riverdale where they like had, it took me so long to realize Griffin and Gargoyles was basically D&D. Oh, yeah. It took me yeah. like four episodes before I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Like she mentioned, I was like, so Dungeons and Dragons? Like just G&G. I'm like, how? That show, yeah, G&G. Like they I call was like, it oh G&G. my God. Um, Sarah, I will take exception to what you just said um, because it's kind of part of what I wanted to say about how there are so many games based on external IPs and especially coming out. Like it is actually a new trend that is starting to bother me um, because I think a lot of people are designing really great games all of the time and it can kind of Mm -hmm. rub me the wrong way when, and I love free league publishing. Do not get me wrong. I love Vassin. I love tales from the loop. I love all these things that they're doing. Um, but they're putting out the new Alien game. And I think there's another one that they already decided they're going to be doing, and they're just using their in-house dice system for it. And I don't think that's the best dice system to nail an Alien mm. feel. Some Yeah, some systems are better for some stories, yeah, for so sure. Yeah, like so your idea, Sarah... Can't just try to make one yeah, size Yeah, your idea, all. Sarah, of take your favorite game system, one that you're familiar with and know, and put a game into it. I don't always agree with like, yes, I ran D and Disney, but that's because honestly, if you break it down, I mean, there's a lot of magic people in Disney and you can categorize them into one of the magic classes. There's people with swords and there's always a fight that has to happen. Most of the stories are adventure adventure stories. stories, You know what I mean? So it worked. But the other thing is not even of all of the games that are coming out that are based on things. And let me just go through the list and tell you guys, uh, listeners, some of the ridiculous things that have gotten their own games. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Slayerverse, got its own D and uh, not D and D role playing game. Dallas, the nineteen seventies TV show, got its own role playing game. Like Dallas, the oil. We need, show, by like the way, the yeah, Texas Dallas, Southern like oil. Dallas, yeah, oh. Dallas was so proper. Oh, we need to find no. that game and play it for sure. But I mean, yes. then there's good ones too, like things that definitely fit, like Dresden Files from the Fate team. Uh, Dresden, that's a great series. I mean, but that's going to be a tough one to separate from the main character, you know, and I wonder how that works. Um, but I mean, like, there's some ridiculous games that have gotten uh, Lego Ninjago has its own role playing game, <laughs> and uh, Mars Attacks has its own role playing game. I mean, like, G.I. Joe you know, is coming out now. G.I. Joe. Um, yeah. But like we said too. That actually leads me to a question um, because I was just thinking about Avatar and how great it is, right, that the system is set up with, like, mechanics that, like, are integral to the world, right? So let's let's say you're doing a canon world. Do you add kind of special, I don't know, abilities or mechanics that match things that the world can do? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you have to. If it's not too hard. Because people have, like, an expectation, right? Yeah, in cases like that, sometimes the lighter the rules and the more flexible, the better. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it depends, too, on how much the canon you're running is far from the system that you're choosing. 
too, right? Yeah, that might be its own episode of ours, like choosing the right system for your game. You know mm. what I mean? We could we could talk a lot about just different resolution mechanics and how they lend themselves to be good at certain stories. Um, just to give people some ideas about maybe what systems <laughs> are better for certain games. Well, I'm just thinking, like, Rainy, for your D&D um, Disney campaign, like, did you add, like, Disney-esque abilities that your your players could do? Um, a lot of times, and this, again, we actually have uh, slated sometime in the future, it, like, homebrewing in games that you know. Um, a lot of times you can actually just take an ability that's in the game or a spell or something like that and just rename it or reflavor it, you mm. know what I mean? Uh, give it a it. cannon flare yeah yeah so like for example one of the players in my dean disney campaign he was like oh it's disney related i want to play yoda and i was like you're a jerk one and two <laughs> i'm gonna make it happen <laughs> so and i did nice. i i made a you know ah little... that explains the 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 star Coral wars corals i was like yeah. why though <laughs> yeah um and but i made him a pact of the blade warlock because they can summon their weapons when they want. Lightsaber. Um, eventually, he could have a yeah. Eventually, he could have a sun sword, which uh, mm-hmm. I gave. Which him, probably which like completes the circle of inspiration from where that came from, anyway. Yeah, a system like D is very flexible but, on flavor, yeah. so you can kind of skin yeah. a lot of things the way you want yes. them. Yeah, uh, Brandon Sanderson Mistborn Adventure game uh, was they made the it's its own system. It's a unique system, and I really like the narrative system in that. Um, I think it lends itself very well to just a very storytelling e-game and, um, like, with cinematic features. Um, the, the uh, Rainy's holding it up right now. The, the mechanics for Allomancy in it is fucked, okay? Like, like they work, but you cannot track that shit. Like, you cannot time and track so confusing. The, the doses and how they, because they, like, they burn on the clock, but they also, like, burn faster when you use them for certain things, and, like, some of them burn for like a hundred minutes per dose. And like, it's just, it's, it is fucked to track that. <laughs> yeah. It's again. So that's a series that I think you could run a game in that universe. It would be hard to find a system to do it based on the very specific powers of the characters, and which is, uh, Sanderson's known for his yeah, very crunchy magic systems, very crunchy. He loves, and I think systems, that's why yes. the fucking Allomancy is so ridiculously unnecessarily crunchy. Like you should have hand waved and flavored a lot of that instead of giving us like minutes and stuff that you have to track <laughs> on your, on your metal burn. <laughs> well, and it's funny that they did that too. And I guess they had to codify it, but in the books, I mean, like the characters are literally just always chugging vials of metals and they don't worry about it. And there's even a metal that you drink and can burn in a combination with another metal that just completely depletes and super Yeah, they, that's in the fucking so adventure like, game too. Like some things yeah. burn at different rates and affect other burn. And you're just like, you have, like a, you have to have like an Excel sheet out like while you're playing yeah, to fucking track it. It's a very shit. complicated <laughs> system that I that's think that- terrifying. Tell, that's That's a point in our favor though, which is you might find a game based on your IP and go, oh, that'd be so much fun to do. And then find that mechanically, you're just like, I don't want to do all that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sarah looks like she has a story to tell. <laughs> no. Well, so um, so one of my, my great video game loves that I've developed over the past year is the Fallout universe. I think from a storytelling perspective, the Fallout universe is fascinating. Uh, and when I saw that our library had a copy of the Fallout RPG, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm so excited. I wonder how they handle the stats. Because anyone who plays Fallout knows you have your special stats. The game doesn't treat them 
They literally, in the video game, gave you a stat system that's not in the RPG. The RPG is more of a minifigure game than an actual RPG. <laughs> Sarah is angry. I mean, it's more difficult, I'm right? furious. <laughs> is, it, is it the 2D20 system? I barely read further than that, Christian. I was so bad. Because it's modifious. So. But to that point about being disappointed that the video game doesn't translate well to the role-playing game, I will point to what is probably the most played Pokemon tabletop role-playing game. Um, unofficial, again, a big asterisk <laughs> there, which is Pokemon Tabletop United. And I would argue that while it's amazing that these people literally mined the data of the video game to figure out how to figure out dice pools for damage and stuff like that and like for the most part it's pretty simple it's like a d6 um dice pool uh skill based game and then there's like d20 rolls and stuff like that for capturing but there's it's it's way too much rules for what you really want that game to do and like there's like you know at damage base one it's like you're dealing you know one d4 plus one damage but at damage base 20 you're dealing like 7d12 plus 30 damage but that's also not including your attack or special attack and then you have to def subtract the other pokemon's defense and you're like okay i get it that the game's really well designed but that's not what you should have done for the tabletop game um i will actually shout out another podcast that has no idea this is coming critical ditto is a british podcast that is running a pokemon tabletop game that they are changing the rules of monster of the week powered by the apocalypse game into uh, Pokemon game and you can go on their Discord and download the rules as they're making them and stuff like that. It's oh, actually wow. really impressive. It's really great. I love that. Yeah, it's That great. sounds really cool. Uh, but yeah, no, so it is the Modifius one. Am I am I getting angry for no reason? I don't know. I've never read it. I was That's why I was curious because so, that's the thing is Modifius has like a house rule system, which is the 2D20 system mm. that they just apply to everything and, you know, yeah. talk about a company that, and I'm not calling them out or talking ill of them because they did put out conan and i actually think they did a really good job of that and but they've also put out star trek dune uh fallout i mean it's like they'll just buy up ips and, and put out rpgs from them and it seems like they use basically the same system for all of them so what uh, you end up getting is a know, campaign or lore book basically yeah, you basically get the <laughs> yeah. same game you know right i think they modify it depending i mean i haven't read, they it, whip read up any some of the classes for you or a couple abilities and then it's like a little different yeah <laughs> you know what uh listeners expect a episode of modified roles sometime in the future about different resolution mechanics and how they are better or worse suited for certain stories mm. you know and games that you want to play because i think that is definitely something we need to talk about christian and i and uh sarah <laughs> and the others have really gotten nerdy about <laughs> designing recently and that's a conversation we had and this is the example of you wanted it to be good, but all you got was a copy of another game and it doesn't do as well to do what you wanted it to. Good point. I'll, I'll, I'll say this kind of, kind of in closing. Um, there are always going to be people that insist they know the canon more than you. There are always going to be people who do know the canon more than you. Uh, don't let that stop you from um, running a game in a world you enjoy and a world you want to run in uh fuck those people even like even when you read original content no two people read the same book because you read it through a filter of your own experiences yeah. too so yep. that is very true <laughs> yeah yeah and it it's also it's it's okay to be nervous about running a game in a canon world 
that's normal. You have a world you love and you want to take care of it like a sweet summer child. Like if you mess up, child. I don't know how else to describe it. Listen, but if, if, if you mess no, no, up. I was like, those words describe it so accurately. Oh, oh, <laughs> That's why I was like, yes, Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Okay, thank you. Treat the canon correctors the way you would treat any rules lawyer, harshly and without mercy. <laughs> <laughs> In closing, whether your worlds are already created or of your own volition, have fun with them because honestly that's what these games are for thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode of modified roles we hope you enjoyed it you can catch up with us on all of our social medias at dms after dark or if you want to reach out directly whether to comment about games you enjoy in canon worlds or to complain about our opinions we accept those too you can email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com See you around, everyone, and fuck mean people. Good night! I'll say fuck, 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 you know, to cut this part out. We'll leave it. Um, I think we need that yeah. in now. Please don't. Fuck, 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 fuck. God damn it. I need to stop saying things. That just needs to become a clip. That's fine. Someone please now, like, have a text tone of just me saying fuck a million times. I'm going to become the fuck word person, aren't I? Here